0: Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. I'm back from my holiday in a beautiful, sunny Italy. i got to say, after a month of doing shows at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland, it was nice to be in a country uh, that has the sun and also knows how to cook. So I had a lovely week. In Italy, uh, thank you for having me in Italy. Well, I don't know why I'm saying thank you. I pay for my flights and pay for my accommodation, so really they should be thanking me for supporting the tourism industry over there. But nonetheless, had a great time in Italy. I, I noticed that I felt like an immigrant when I was in Italy. I felt like a bit of a foreigner when I was in Italy. But I, I live in London now, and I. I haven't really ever felt like an immigrant, even though I have migrated here and live here now. I haven't really felt like an immigrant, and it's obviously because, you know, I'm I'm white, so I don't really have the, uh, the legitimate immigrant experience. But then the other day, I had my first real immigrant experience, which was quite exciting. A friend of mine who's uh, he's a British comedian, he said to me, Michael, I've got this gig coming up tonight, and I don't really want to do it because there's not a lot of money involved in it so would you be happy to fill in for me and you know you can take the small paycheck that i would have received and i said yes and i filled in for him and did the gig and that was the first time i really felt like an immigrant since being in the uk because i was taking the job of a local british person uh, because uh, he didn't want to do it for that amount of money so It was nice to finally have the immigrant experience. I I felt like, you know, I was doing a job that a British person did not want to do. I I felt like the deliveroo driver of stand-up comedy. That's what I felt like. So it was nice to finally feel like a migrant and have that shared experience. So yeah, I could see why they voted for Brexit. I can see why, because immigrants are coming to take their jobs. I'm here to take their jobs. I'm an immigrant, I'm part of the problem, I snuck through the net. So yeah, I can see why they've done that. Big episode coming up today guys, Uh, Novak Djokovic has cemented himself as uh, the most uh, successful tennis player of all time, definitely the most successful male tennis player of all time. Uh, He's also cemented himself as a hero for the anti-vax movement and uh, I'll explain why shortly why... He's kind of made me anti-vax myself. I'm now I'm now on his side. I'm Team Novak. I'm Team Novaks. Uh, Donald Trump has been arrested. And he's got the coolest mug shots you've ever seen. It's only doing wonders for his popularity. Meanwhile, uh, Obama is gay. So that's exciting. Obama is gay. Uh, we know this for facts because a man that he had sex with uh, 20 years ago uh, told Tucker Carlson this so Obama's gay that's exciting and the last thing we might discuss today if we have time for it is the fact that uh, the Sydney Opera House and like the ballet companies in Australia are offering discounted tickets to indigenous people now I actually have my own little story about this when I performed at the Melbourne Fringe I was, uh, I was asked uh, to give discounted tickets to indigenous people uh, who came to my show I'll chat to you about that give you my thoughts on that before we get into it guys, we've arrived at the point of the podcast, we're four minutes in, but we've arrived at the point of the podcast, which is always the peak, it's always the pinnacle, it's the part of the podcast that we all tune in for and it really sustains, it'll sustain the next 30, 35 minutes of this episode, that's for sure. It's the intro music. So I'm going to play the intro music now, I hope you enjoy it. I hope that it was worth the $200 that I spent on it last year when I paid a audio engineering student... Uh, who it was also an immigrant, by the way, uh, gave him $200 to make this music for me. He took the job of uh, an otherwise local audio engineering student. So please enjoy it. Please listen to it. And if you don't like it, you're racist. So enjoy this intro music. And I'll be back shortly with the news. And one podcast step for podcasts. Podcast. One for Comedy. We are stripped down and ready to go. I'll never surrender. But I ain't spending any time on it. Please explain. I'm going to, okay? Welcome back. Novak Djokovic. He might be a shit bloke, but he's also the best tennis player of all time. You can't deny that and people don't want to accept that people don't want to admit that because they don't like him as a person. Everyone does backflips when they're asked who is the best tennis player of all time. Because we all want to say it's Nadal. We all want to say it's Federer because they are sweet, kind, humble men. I mean Federer is just loves the game. He's a servant of the game. He's done so much to raise the, the the brand and the reputation of tennis globally. We love him for that. And he won 21 or something, 20 grand slams. Rafael Nadal, of course, we love him because he's got a cute Spanish accent. And sure, he, he can't really speak English very well, but my God, he gives it a crack. And we love him for that. Plus he's won 22 grand slams. And we love the way he plays. We love the one Nadal You know, has that big left arm. We love the way he tugs on his underpants. Um, We love the way how, despite playing tennis for his entire life, he still has not found a pair of underpants that fits. I don't understand how an underpants company hasn't swooped in on this and gotten him to be an ambassador. You know those, uh, those ads where they have, like, the blokes wearing the bamboo underpants on TV, and it's always this big chubby bloke, and he's like, my, you know, thighs used to chafe when I wore cotton underwear, but now I wear bamboo underwear and my thighs don't chafe at all sure i have a fungal infection in my scrotum because there's no airflow going through but no chafing and i just feel like they they could have got an adult to to pop on some bamboo underpants and then show him serving without having to adjust his his scrotum and i think that that would have sold a lot of pairs My point is, uh, no one likes Novak Djokovic. That's kind of what I was getting at here. But you have to accept that he's still the best. He, I mean, he's won 24 grand slams now and the guy's still going. Uh, He could honestly get to, you know, 30, it's doable. He's still the best in the world. And he's like, I don't know, 47, who knows how old this man, the man doesn't age. That's, That's for sure, the man doesn't age. And honestly, at this point, you got to say that, you know, he was right about the vaccine all along, don't you? you got to say that. And that's, look, that's coming from a guy who's had five doses of the vaccine. I've had it all. I've had AstraZeneca. I've had uh, Pfizer. I've had Moderna. I would would take the Johnson & Johnson, but apparently that that causes blood clots or something, so I can't get that one. But I'll take the whole cocktail. I love the vaccine. I'm very pro-vaccine. I've only had COVID three or four times. But uh, the vaccine, very pro it. I've had low immunity for a couple of years since I did chemotherapy back in 2020. So very pro vaccine, get on it. But credit where it's due, Djokovic was right. Let's be honest. The man has not taken the vaccine. And uh, since not taking the vaccine, uh, he hasn't had a single heart attack. And he's also won... Uh, quite a few grand slams he's he's clearly the best player in the world Uh, I can only presume it's because of his unvaccinated status I can you know say what you want about the man but the guy is not getting blood clots anytime soon I might I might and I'll die doing what I love listening to the scientists but Novak Djokovic has got to be vindicated at this point I mean He's not vaccinated. Uh, he's a pure blood, as the as the anti-vaxxers would say, a real pure blood, uh, which doesn't sound fucking racist and terrifying at all. But this pure blood Novak Djokovic, he's bloody proved the world wrong, and he's won his twenty fourth Grand Slam in America. And and what's great about that victory, what's particularly funny about this victory, is that Novak Djokovic has won it. Uh, has won a competition that was literally sponsored by Moderna. Literally sponsored by one of the biggest vaccine manufacturers in the world. The very vaccine that you know, he rejected and, and lied about getting so that he could come to Australia and uh, infect us all. Uh, the, the vaccine that he lied about getting so that he could um, compete in Australia and ended up finding himself locked into, in a detention hotel uh, for a number of days before losing his appeal in the Australian Federal Court and then getting detained back to Serbia. And uh, the Herald Sun had a fantastic headline, Return Serb. I mean, god, the puns were flowing. Remember that? Remember the puns that week? Oh god, we love the puns. Return Serb, no vax, jokovid, jo- incredible stuff. I mean, really, the, the editors at all the Murdoch papers uh had one of the fa- one of the favorite days of their of their lives was uh, writing those headlines, but. The point is that Novak Djokovic has, has won a tennis tournament sponsored by Moderna, which I think is very funny. I think it's very funny. It would have been great if the prize was not just uh, money, but also you get a free a free booster. It'd be great if that if they gave him the cup and then a nurse came in with a needle and just like stuck it in his arm. And, he, and before he noticed, he was like, oh shit, I'm no longer a pure blood." I think that would have been nice. That would have been a bit of fun. And that maybe that would have... You know, even now the competition a bit more, because clearly all the other players—they're all vaxxed. You know, they're clearly not operating at 100%. They can't compete with Djokovic. I think Djokovic should be forced to get the vaccine, get a few doses before the next Grand Slam, just to hopefully maybe he has a bit of a heart attack, a minor stroke, a bit of paralysis, just something like maybe he loses control of you know the left side of his body, just something to even out the competition a little bit i think that would actually make tennis more watchable because right now you know he's winning every match it's kind of boring he's just wiping his opponents off the court and once again you know of course this is comedy please know this is comedy i'm not actually anti-vax i think i'm just going to say that now before this gets taken down off the internet and before it gets cut up um jokes comedy comedy jokes Back to the podcast. The point is that Djokovic uh, was right about the vaccine all along. You can't trust Pfizer. You can't trust Moderna. Uh, you certainly can't trust AstraZeneca. Give him the vaccine. Let him have a couple of blood clots and then even out the competition to make it a bit more fair and fun for everyone. But it was very funny that he did win a competition that was sponsored by uh, Moderna, one of the vaccine manufacturers that he obviously clearly hates. I mean, it would be the equivalent of Margaret Court's uh, winning a, a tennis competition sponsored by uh, Pride Month. Like, uh, it'd, be, it'd be so funny to see Margaret Court, you know, just, I mean, I, she, won, she won 24 Grand Slams herself, by the way. So she and Novak are now uh, neck and neck. Uh, and if you've seen a photo of her, she's quite a lot of neck. So uh, she and Novak are now head to head, both with 24 Grand Slam. So he just needs to win one more until he's like, definitely the greatest player of all time, irrespective of your gender. But uh, I'm concerned about them being being both at 24. I'm concerned that she's now kind of like back in the news because what's going to happen is, you know some stupid reporter is going to put a microphone in front of her face and say, hey, you know, what do you think about Novak Djokovic equaling your record? of 24 grand slams do you have anything to say about that and then she'll obviously seize the microphone and say uh, same-sex marriage is causing the hurricanes Uh, and the sport is full of lesbians and uh the water the fluoride in the water is making your kids non-binary that's what she's going to do if you give her a microphone and i know that there's just so many reporters out there who want to do that they want to give a microphone to Margaret Court because they know she'll say something fucked and then they've got a headline they can run with for a week and they can get some clicks and sell some newspapers. I know they're desperate to do that, but please don't, please don't. We've already had this debate in Australia. We had this big debate whether or not we had to change the name of Margaret Court Arena because she's homophobic. And we all decided, ah, we'll just leave it. Because firstly, they've already put the sign up. It'd be a bit of an effort to take all the letters down. But also like she got her name on the arena you know, not for being a, a gay icon. She got the, her name on the arena for being good at tennis. So that makes sense. You know, you're good at tennis, you get a tennis arena named after you. I mean, if she got her name, you know, on the arena for being a gay, and then she comes out being really homophobic, and you'd be like, okay, we got to take the name down because she's kind of lost the right to have her name on the Pride Center because she's now being homophobic. But, you know, she got her name in the arena for being good at tennis, not for scissoring. So I think just leave it up there, but let's not have the debate again. Let's not put a microphone in Margaret Court Arena's face. I've been saying this for a while now in this podcast. We must stop giving uh, airtime to old Australian icons because we know that it's just a matter of time until they say something cooked. I mean, we've said it with Margaret Court, we saw it with Don Fraser, I know sam newman has been like cooked forever and that's probably just due to all the concussions and the CDE that he is clearly suffering from but my point is that all these people you give them a microphone eventually gonna say something cooked it's very very disappointing same thing happened with barry Humphreys, by the way just don't put microphones in front of old australian icons we want to believe it's like you just want to continue to believe that santa is real for as long as possible I would like to believe that Rod Laver, for example, is a good guy. No one asked him his thoughts on immigration. But look, this, whole, this whole, whole whole, Djokovic thing really just kind of shows that, you know, if you're, uh, that he was right, he was vindicated all along. I mean, look how, look how energetic the man is. Didn't take the vaccine and he's the best goddamn tennis player in the world. It's kind of, it reminds me a little bit about, you know, like Trump versus Biden. You see, like, Biden is like he's not racist. He's just like a regular man, and, and as a result of that, he's 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 just got he's dying. The life is is being sapped out of him slowly, um, perhaps not even slowly, quite rapidly. Like he, whereas you look at like someone like Donald Trump, like he's he's got the energy, he's got the the bounce, he's got the uh, the oomph, the vitality of a of a much younger man. And I can only presume that's because he is like you know racist. He is corrupt. He is awful. You know, it just seems like like being a bad person helps you to be healthier. I mean, Djokovic is not a great guy, and he's operating at a very very high level. Uh, Donald Trump is an awful human being, and he's operating at a very high level. So I think that maybe uh, you know they say the good die young. And I think that's kind of true because because tr- Trump is, is going to live to 150. And, I, and honestly, I think he might be, I've said this before on the podcast, Trump is got to be the savviest and smartest politician, certainly in my lifetime. I mean, this is a guy who recently just got in, indicted again. Like the guy's getting indicted it seems like on a daily basis you wake up, there's another, another indictment against Trump. So he's been indicted again. This time it was in uh, Georgia for uh, trying to interfere with the election in Georgia. And obviously he tried to do that. I mean, we all know he tried to do that. We all know he's guilty. He'll probably get off on a technicality or a loophole. But the man's a genius because the guy turns up to the Fulton County Jail to get booked, to get uh, his mugshot taken. And he has this mugshot taken, and he looks incredible. I've never seen a man look more severe and strong and powerful as, as Donald Trump does in this mugshot. He actually looks a little bit like the, that portrait of Hitler. Like Hitler has that really famous portrait where he's just staring into the camera, obviously not smiling because you know Hitler couldn't smile, but that's just more of a German thing than a Hitler thing just staring sternly into the camera. And you know that Trump is definitely modeled his photograph off the Hitler portrait because Trump is kind of like staring to the camera. He's tilted a little bit forward to give him a bit of a stronger jawline, to give him a bit more a bit more sternness. He looks amazing. And the guy's a genius because he's now used that as a publicity tool to sell t-shirts. He literally, after taking that mugshot, then jumps on back on Twitter for the first time in a couple of years or X, whatever you want to call it, jumps on Twitter and then uh, and, and then posts a photo of him holding a T-shirt of his own mugshot. And the T-shirt has the mugshot and underneath it says, never surrender. Now, let's set aside the fact that um, he's literally has surrendered in that moment. He's literally surrendered himself to law enforcement officers. So he's literally turned up at the jail and he said, I surrendered to law enforcement and I will await my day in court. So he surrendered, and then he, he's got uh, never surrender underneath that. It's, it's incredible. It's, a, it's an incredible level of cognitive dissonance that um, very few people are capable of achieving. Trump is. I think that's why he's the most savvy, the most slick political operator of our time i think that's why he's definitely going to win the next election and when i say definitely i mean i mean that like he will 100 percent win the next election because uh joe biden um if, if joe biden will first will be dead before the next election i've i've seen all my parents die. i've seen, not my parents i've seen all my grandparents die my parents still going strong good on them i mean you know it'd be nice to own property but uh, my grandparents uh, lived uh, quite long and I know what it looks like when old people die because I've seen four old people die and I think Joe Biden is on the way he might already be dead Um, that is possible it is possible that AI technology has actually developed quite a long way um, without us knowing and it's possible that what we're seeing is Um, AI technology, kind of like propping up Joe Biden and giving him the appearance of life and vitality, um, at least until he can get through to to the next election. However, the point that I'm getting at here is that Trump looks great. He's going to win the next election. Clearly, the racism uh, and the corruption uh, is his fuel. So, you know, the more racist, the more corrupt you are, clearly... Uh, the longer you live, the better you look, and the more merchandise you can sell on Twitter to the lackeys. So good on him. I look forward to seeing him uh, being the American president for uh, two to three more decades. Speaking of American presidents, Obama's gay, so that's exciting. Obama is gay. Could the ma- I mean, uh, this is being like, this is being like presented by tucker carlson on on twitter on his twitter show as like a bad thing so tucker carlson uh who remember he's the guy that got kicked off um fox news now he lost his job at fox news and and it was presented by right-wing people um that he got kicked off fox news because he was telling the truth about the war in ukraine and because he was telling the people they bloody what no one else would tell them and that's why he lost his job which of course is bullshit. he lost his job because there was a culture of sexual harassment and misogyny and there were numerous lawsuits that were about to be brought against tucker carlson and fox news and to kind of like put the which would have been quite financially damaging for the institution as a result of that, they're like, oh, well, well, part of the deal agreement we'll make uh, is we'll, f- we'll get rid of Tucker Carlson, we'll clear house and we'll, we'll try to start again and we'll bring in you know, a new, uh, a, new ra- a new races to fill in for him and that's why Jesse Waters has kind of come in to, to fill that, um, that open slot for the next races to come in and, and create an audience for himself. But Tucker Carlson, he's now on Twitter and he's kind of doing his own show on Twitter um seems to be going okay i mean he's still got a big audience i mean just again once again uh there is no justice in the world you can be a bad person like that Djokovic and be the best tennis player in the world you can be a corrupt evil guy like trump and still uh win the u.s election you can be a racist conspiracy theorist like tucker carlson and still have a fantastic career in the media the point is, I don't have I I don't have a lot of listeners on this podcast, so I guess I should be more racist in order to just kind of grow my audience. So if you'll bear with me at the end of this episode, I'm going to just use a lot of racial slurs. So uh, if you don't want to hear any of those, um, I just I would say just tune out. Uh, just don't listen to the last thirty seconds, uh, where you're going to hear a lot of awful things said um, about migrants and the Jews. So, uh, just, just heads up. I don't believe that stuff, guys, but I do want to, you know, have a career in the media. So I apologize in advance, but you've been warned. Don't listen to the final 30 seconds. It's going to be me. It's going to be me saying some, uh, some awful truths, some awful truth. Let's, let's just say, but Hey, you know, you got to get that, uh, Paul and Hanson supporter base to listen to somehow. So Tucker Carlson is on Twitter now and he's talking about how uh, Obama is gay. So Tucker Carlson has interviewed a man. He sat down with his bloke who claims that he had sex with Obama. I believe it was in Atlanta, like over 20 years ago. And uh, this is presented as like bad for Obama by Tucker Carlson. So Tucker Carlson's like, you know, what? What else is he hiding from us? He's gay. They've really thrown everything at Obama, the conservatives. They really have. Because if, if I'll, I'll take you back, like when he first kind of burst onto the scene in the early 2000s, he, uh, firstly, they were like, oh, he's not, he's not American. He's, uh, he's born in Kenya. Uh, so he's not even American. He's a bloody, he's a bloody immigrant. So, that was the first thing they said. Uh, they, Trump also said that. Remember, Trump was part of that um, Bertha lie. So, first they said Trump uh, was an immigrant. They couldn't get that to stick. They could not get that to stick. So, then they tried the next thing, which was uh, uh, Obama is uh, an Islamic fundamentalist. He's a Muslim. And their basis for that was that his middle name is Hussein. So... Uh, that was uh, their evidence. Um, yeah, I mean, look, in in defense of the people who put forward that argument, uh, we were all very scared about Saddam Hussein at that time. And I think everyone was like, oh Saddam Hussein, Barack Hussein, Obama, I mean y- y- I mean uh, coincidence almost certainly or um, they are, Uh, Cousins and uh, Barack Obama is... And also Obama sounds a little bit like Bin Laden. So double coincidence. I don't believe in double coincidences. So uh, Obama is a Saddam Hussein, Osama Bin Laden. He's the child. He's the the nephew of Saddam Hussein and Osama Bin Laden. That's kind of how that started. Um, Look, there was a lot of merited argument. It didn't take any hold really. So they said he was a, you know, they said he was an immigrant. They said he was a Muslim, uh, two things you can't be in America, and that didn't stick. So now Tucker Carlson is like, well, you might not think he's an immigrant, and you might not think he's a Muslim. However, do you know what he is. He's gay. He's real gay. And I don't know. This, this has been presented by Tucker Carlson as like, this is bad. This is bad that Obama is gay. And I know the people who listen to his show are very homophobic. And so, of course, they're going to agree that this is bad. But also, um, like Obama's not running for office anymore. So I don't really think it matters if he's gay. It's kind of like not relevant anymore. Uh, He's not really, you know, making decisions anymore. You know, he's he's not passing laws about the gays. You know what I mean? He's not... He's not passing laws about homophobic bakers in Iowa. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird story for Tucker Carlson to run with. Nonetheless, it is salacious and it is exciting. And God, I love anything that's salacious and exciting. I kind of want to believe it's true, because I think it makes Obama cooler if he's gay. I mean, that's pretty cool to be the first black president and the first gay president. I mean, we had a we had a a gay vice president in Mike Pence. So that was pretty exciting. Of course, you know, Mike Pence, you know, didn't wanna, you know, come out with that information because, you know, he's, uh, you know, he did conversion therapy and uh, he's he's got a wristband that he flicks every time he, he thinks about men in that way. But it's pretty cool if Obama was gay. I think, I, I, Tucker Carlson is presenting this as like a bad thing, but I think that, you know, Liberals and Democrats, and we'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. I hope he is gay. I hope that next year we see, I hope this is great. Maybe he's out, maybe he'll finally come out. He'll be out and about next year. He'll be at the parade, uh, shirt off, um, you know, just in a pair of chapless or arseless chaps, chapless, arseless chaps. Uh, And of course, you know, Michelle Obama will be supporting him. She's a, a good woman, she'll support him on this journey. I hope, that's, I hope that's what happens. I think that makes him cooler. If he is gay, the only thing I find fascinating about this is that if he is gay, and God, I hope it's true, it does make it interesting how he originally, when he was running for like US Senate back in the early 2000s, he voted against legalizing same-sex marriage. So his original position on that issue was to be against it. Now, if he was a gay man, and at the time he was having an affair with another man who, the, the bloke that Tucker Carlson interviewed, if that is true and he voted no on same-sex marriage, God, that's, that's brutal stuff for Obama's secret boyfriend, isn't it? Because Obama's secret boyfriend be like, hey man, like, you know, why don't, why can't we like, you know, commit to each other and, and you know, be together and Obama's like, oh, I'd love to, but, you know, the law doesn't let us do it. And then his boyfriend would be like, yeah, but you voted against the law. You, you made it impossible for us to get married. And Obama would be like, yeah, well, you know, kind of, you know, take the hint, you know. What a brutal way to reject someone by uh, going into the legislature and making it illegal for the two of you to be together. That is a... Br- if that, someone does that to you and you're... I'm not, I don't usually give out relationship advice on this podcast. It's meant to be more about the culture wars and politics and stuff. But if you're in a relationship with someone right now and they walk into parliament and pass a law that makes it illegal for the two of you to be together, I think that relationship is on the rocks. That's what I think. I mean, that's sorry if this is becoming like... I don't know, Dolly Doctor or whatever. I don't. I can't even think of a relationship magazine or like Cosmopolitan, but maybe he's just not that into you. If a man is walking into parliament and passing a law that says it is illegal to marry Melissa, then I'm sorry, Melissa. He's just not that into you. And that's how I feel about Obama's uh, secret boyfriend. And uh, I hope it's true. And if so, God, that's, that's kind of a brutal way to get rejected by a man Make it illegal for you guys to be together. Guys, the voice to parliament is uh, going to be voted on in a couple of weeks, about a month out from the, the referendum. And really, I think what we've learned in the last few months, if it wasn't abundantly clear already, is that Australians are not really capable of discourse of discourse. Sorry, I burped as I said that word. Australians are not really capable of, I could edit that out, but I'm not going to. Australians are not really capable of discourse. They're not really capable of uh, debate. Well, certainly not, um, real debate. What we're capable of is, um, calling each other Nazis, uh, and calling each other pedophiles, calling each other snowflakes, calling each other cunts, we're very good at doing that, but that's not really debate. And uh, I really think that you know the the debate around the the referendum on the voice to Parliament has really descended into um, real depths that we haven't seen since the plebiscite on same-sex marriage. So, if you'll remember, the plebiscite on same-sex marriage was uh, real bad. That was a real Awful, awful time to be just looking on social media and reading the newspaper and hearing the opinions on every fucking idiot in the world. Because, you know, the problem with these, like, public debates is that they're public. So, like, there's no barrier to entry. Anyone can enter the debate because anyone with a Twitter account can just, you know, get some fucking traction by uh, just telling us what they think about the gays or the aboriginal people or whatever. So that's not a public debate. There's no like barrier to entry. It really devalues debate. It really devalues discourse when literally anyone can just speak and have an opinion, which is why I'm against free speech. I've been against free speech for a long time now because when you make speech free, it devalues it. When you make speech free, you kind of get what you pay for. If you know what I mean, if speech is free, all of a sudden, everyone can speak all at once, say the dumbest shit ever, the good opinions get muddled in with the shit opinions, and you've got to sift through all this crap just to find one good idea. I don't think speech should be free. I think if we've learned anything from the plebiscite debate and from this debate about the voice to parliament, speech should not be free. There should be a barrier to entry to expressing an opinion. You should... I don't know... How, what to do about it. i don't know what exactly the solution is maybe you have to charge people to speak maybe like every word you say on this topic whether it's on social media whether it's on tv whether it's in the newspaper column every word that you express you get charged like 10 cents a word to really see if you believe what you're saying and to really see and to really force people to really consider what they're saying and they've got, i i I understand the irony of me saying this freely. I understand the irony of me right now expressing an opinion for free. Um, but I'll be honest: this one is a this one is a good one. The, the, the only this one is a good one. You should it should not be free to speak. If people had to pay to express an idea, uh, at the very least, they'd be forced to really consider what they want to say before they just throw their shit out there into the public at the very least, Uh, which I think is good. And and also, if you had to pay to express an opinion, at least when you read that person's opinion, you would know that they kind of believed it or meant it. Like, if you've spent money and invested in this goddamn tweet about this topic, then okay, they probably believe what they're saying. Because right now, there's so many disingenuous arguments particularly from the people who are going to vote no. Because people, people voting no, a lot of the people voting no are being disingenuous because they're, they're actually racist. But of course you can't say that because everyone calls you a racist then and that's bad. So instead of saying they're racist, they'll say, hey, I'm voting no because I don't believe in uh, dividing the country. And that's of course a disingenuous bullshit point because the country's already divided. That's the whole reason why we're having this voice to parliament. The country has been divided, power has been concentrated in a select group of people. Pa- There's a group of people in particular who have been rendered powerless and been marginalized, that's indigenous people. The whole point of this referendum is to try to reduce that divide by kind of equalizing power across these groups of people and literally giving them a voice, which let's be honest, it's just gonna be symbolic It's not going to make any real pragmatic difference to the lives of anyone, really, except for maybe the small community of Indigenous people in the country. The point is that the people saying they're going to vote no are just using these bullshit, disingenuous arguments that, oh, I'm not racist. I just believe that it's dividing the country. And also, um, I think that... Uh, you, I think that the constitution, you know, is is matters. And but if you if you prompt them a bit much, then they're like nah, because then they'll take our land, and you know, find us keepers. And you know, so you know that's like that's what you get to at the core of their argument if you prod them enough. But right now they'll just make disingenuous arguments, and they can do that because they can freely make those statements. I just think that the the, degree, the level of public debate in this country is dog shit. It's a very, very, very low bar for entry. There's no bar for entry into public debate. Start charging people money to express an opinion. I'll give you that one for free. Related to this, by the way, is very interesting uh, debate that's happening now around these things called uh, mob tickets. So there are some... Uh, you know, artistic organisations and institutions that are now offering discounted tickets to uh, Indigenous people. So I think like the Sydney Opera House is doing it, the Ballet Australia, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, these types of groups are offering uh, discounted tickets to Indigenous people to, I guess, make a, make the arts more accessible to them, get them more involved in these parts of society. It, Because often these tickets are like, you know, really expensive. It's like 200, 300 bucks to see um, a man in a leotard prance around pretending to be a a black swan. And uh, it's basically not really accessible for anyone except for like extremely wealthy people who live in, you know, Bondi. But now these organizations, they want to make it more accessible um, not to poor people, but to like... Just indigenous people specifically, just to be like, and that's of course not saying that indigenous people are poor, but obviously they're thinking, okay, it's expensive to go to these things, and some indigenous people don't have the funds to go. Let's give them, you know, a discount. Often it's like 80% off, and now you can go and see the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra for 25 bucks. Now, I don't really care either way, whether or not they do this. But what I will say is that some people are against it because they say, hey, it's, it's patronizing. What you're saying is that indigenous people don't go to these things because um, they just don't want to spend the money on it, but it's patronizing, I think they will attend if it's cheaper. I don't think it's necessarily patronizing. It is, you're giving them a, a benefit. Do you know what is patronizing though? Doing a welcome to country at the start of every event and then just carrying on as if, uh, as if we don't have to give the land back. I think it's patronizing to start a, an event and say, oh, hey, we just want to acknowledge that this land was stolen uh, from the local indigenous people uh, and it's kind of still theirs uh, and it will always be theirs. Um, anyway, despite all that, uh, here is the nutcracker. I think that's kind of patronizing. I think that's kind of disrespectful. So I think if you're going to, if you're going to just not give the land back, and of course there's no intention of doing that, unless you ask the no voters on the Voice to Parliament, they'll tell you, yeah, it's a bloody Trojan horse. And the next thing you know, they're gonna have me bloody, uh, they're gonna walk into my living room and they're gonna be watching my Netflix account. Uh, So, If you're not going to give the land back, I think the least you can do is kind of... It should be free entry, by the way. Like, this whole discount of tickets is bullshit, isn't it? Because if it's their land, and you're saying that in your welcome to country and your acknowledgement of country at the start of the event, if it's their land, you can't charge them anything to enter. It's their land. So this whole 80% off, I think is like some bullshit compromise. Either you make it 100% free and say, hey, it is your land. Um, Yeah, so I guess come in and if you want to be in the play, it's yours. If you want to pick up the trombone and get involved, like we can't stop you because, yeah, it's like your home. So this whole like 80% off, I think is some like bullshit compromise. It really should be free. And I know it's kind of I understand the argument that it's kind that would be patronizing, but I think that Indigenous people like operate this very like unique, special kind of position in society, where like we all know that you know we fucked them over, so you know, and there's kind of not a lot we can do now to really repair that. So maybe a free ticket to the ballet is is something, is something. So they operate, they they have this very special, unique position in Australian society. Look, I don't think you could ever do that to like, like, I don't think the Germans could ever like give free shit to the Jews. I don't think the Germans could be like, okay, Jews can now come and get a free schnitzel on a Wednesday at the local pub, because as soon as you start offering free shit to Jews, it kind of just feels anti-Semitic, you know? as soon as you're like, ah, oh, the Jews, yeah, that'll only come if it's fucking discounted, that kind of feels a little bit off. So I can see why the Germans can't really do that for the Jews. Um, uh, my, my people um, m- might find that quite offensive, but I just think because of like the very special and, and unique and significant position that Indigenous people hold in our history, you can kind of see why uh, it makes sense to give our free tickets. I think the discounted stuff is kind of, Bullshit. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I encountered this concept of discounted tickets for Indigenous people was when I performed at the Melbourne Fringe Festival a few years ago. It might have been one of the COVID years, so I think it was cancelled after all. And I was uh, told that they were doing like discounted tickets for Indigenous people, people who identified as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander they would give them like discounted tickets to my show. And like, I was fine with that. Yeah, go for that, I don't mind that at all. But to be honest, I was like, yeah, look, I'm trying out some new goddamn jokes. I'm finding it hard to shift some goddamn units. Anyone who wants to come along, bloody oath. I don't, I'll take everyone and anyone. They can come in for free if they want to. So, I mean, that was my first kind of introduction to this whole idea of like discounted tickets for indigenous people. But I'll tell you what, It just again, It just is this really what Indigenous people want? They want to see me try out some dog shit new material at Trades Hall in Carlton on a Wednesday night, reading from notes at the Melbourne Fringe Festival? Is this really what Indigenous people want? I mean, I think if you're Indigenous and you're like, hey, do you want to see uh, Michael Schaefer... Uh, You know, work on some new material that's uh, not good and not funny, uh, or do you want a treaty? I think they'd be like, I'm going to take the treaty. I think we'll do the treaty. uh, And then once we've got the treaty, then maybe I'll go and see some very um, mediocre comedy from an unknown comedian. So, I guess that's really the issue with these types of uh, programs: the the discounted tickets to you know see the ballet, the the symbolic voice to Parliament. They're all kind of not addressing any real core issues directly. I think they're all nice and they're all steps in the right direction, but really they're not addressing the core stuff. Just give them a goddamn treaty or at least let them go and see the book of Mormon for free when it comes to town. Do you know what I mean? If it's their land, you're not allowed to charge them anything. That's just how this shit works. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give it a nice review on Spotify. I'll be back in Australia to do some shows in Melbourne, uh, which is actually selling quite well. I've barely even... uh, Promoted that show, that's selling all right. Uh, and uh, Nary Warren, that's also selling pretty well too. Uh, both of those shows are in October. Uh, I'm also doing a show in Frankston, which is selling very poorly. Very poorly indeed. Um, so if any Indigenous people want to come for free to that show, poch, I'm bloody willing to put my goddamn money where my mouth is and let you in for free. So head to my website, michaelshafer.com for tickets to those shows. If you're in London, I've got a show in London on the 28th of September, and that's selling quite well. I'm about to uh, announce a show in Munich, so that's very exciting. I'm very excited to do a show in Germany. Um, I'm just thrilled that I get to make German people feel uncomfortable about all of the Holocaust material that is in this year's show. Oh, it's going to be a real, a real treat. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get a free schnitzel at the end of it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.